0: All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps, again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are on episode 83 talking all about speaking and the business of speaking, the art of speaking. And today we're going to be talking about something related to speaking in an indirect kind of way, Back in episode 73 and 74, we talked a lot about travel tips for speakers. And there's a couple of popular episodes you're going to want to go back and listen to. Again, that's episode 73 and 4. But today we are talking with a buddy of mine who runs a travel podcast and travel blog and teaches a lot about travel hacking. So we're going to be talking all about that today, about how you can use miles and points, why they matter for speakers, why you need to be paying attention to this stuff. I have taken, I've earned a lot of miles and a lot of points from travel and have been able to take my family on some really really cool trips as a result of of the miles and points that I've earned from speaking and uh, from traveling and speaking so we're going to talk all about that today about how you can use speaking and use the travel that you get to maximize that for free travel in the future so definitely 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 pay close attention to this one this is going to be a good one today uh, we're talking with my buddy Travis Sherry he runs the uh, the podcast and the blog extra pack of peanuts so you definitely want to check out that site as well extra pack of peanuts.com. All right, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy, Travis Sherry. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Hey, today I'm joined by my good buddy, Travis Sherry, who runs the site Extra Pack of Peanuts, teaching people all about travel and travel hacking and miles and points and that whole world. And uh, so if you are brand new to this or you're uh, maybe a veteran that you've dabbled with this a little bit before, uh, I think you're going to uh, really enjoy the uh, the conversation that we, uh, we've we got planned for today. So, Travis, what's up, brother? How are you?
1: I am doing awesome. Anytime I can A talk to you and B talk about traveling, that makes a good day for me. So it I'm super excited good about that. It is a day
0: this. indeed. So you run a extra pack of peanuts. Great name. Give us the rundown of what the site is, what it is that you do and kind of maybe even how you kind of got got into what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, sure. So basically, in 2012, I was teaching English in Japan. And I just that kind of kicked off my whole wanting to travel more than typically, you know, two weeks a year type thing. And um, I was teaching English in Japan, and I didn't have a lot of money, and I wanted to travel cheaper. And so of course, I turned to Google, and somehow fell down this rabbit hole of people using frequent flyer miles and all these points and stuff to travel cheaper. And I thought, hey, this is too good to be true. You know, this sounds really scammy. There's no way people can actually get plane tickets for under $100 and and all this. And I did some research. I get pretty obsessed with stuff. And uh, I found out, no, this this can actually be done. And so uh, January 2012, I started writing the site more just to get all the information that I was processing. And I was new to this and I was 28, didn't have a credit card, didn't have a single frequent fire mile to my name. And I just thought, all right, I'm going to start writing this. Cause I'm, I'm sure some people might be interested, even if it's just family and friends and there's a lots and ups and downs. And this is a long story, very, very short, but uh, yeah, four and a half years later, I still help people with travel. It's not all just miles and points. That's how it started. But that's still a big push of what we do is just teaching people how to travel more and spend less. And some of that's through, quote unquote, travel hacking, using frequent five miles, hotel points to get cheaper, very, very almost free stays. And some of that's just also general travel tips on how to travel more authentically, more effectively, all that kind of stuff that, you know, the last four and a half years we've learned from basically doing it and being on the road.
0: Let's. Uh, I want to go a couple different directions, a couple different things that we, we can talk about that you touched on there. First of all, let's start by talking about just those travel tips. Obviously, you've done a lot of international travel. You've done a lot of, of domestic travel as well here in, within the U.S. Uh, and so I want us to get to the some of the travel hacking stuff and kind of maximizing miles and points and how we can do that as speakers. But as someone who's traveled a lot, what are some things that you have learned along the way? What are some things that really helped to make because travel can be a lot of fun but it can also be very tiring can be very grueling especially in a in the form of which a lot of speakers do it in which they're doing it a lot yes. so how do you make travel enjoyable what are some things that that have helped you to enjoy the experience along the way
1: yeah for sure i mean there's a we could talk for hours about this but one of the things that i always suggest people do whether you're traveling for for business purposes or for pleasure and obviously if you're traveling for pleasure this this can happen a little easier but i always tell people, and I had to learn this myself the hard way, to, to try to slow down a little bit, and what I mean by that is, you know, we could travel wherever we wanted, whenever we wanted, because we were location independent, so that's great, but what we found ourselves doing was, you know, a couple days in one city, and then a couple days in the next, a couple, and, you know, we were just bouncing around really, really quick, which is great, especially if you want to see a lot of stuff, and it's your first time in an area or a region or, or anything like that, but... You know, to really soak it in and enjoy it, we over the last year and a half, we we've really slowed it down and we've said, okay, let's spend more time in one area versus jumping around as much because um we've just found that it creates more authentic experiences. It doesn't burn you out, as you say, as you know, we can feel that way. Like I had travel burnout about a year and a half ago when Cry for Me, we were sitting in Bali and I was like. You know, I didn't even want to be there, and that's how I knew, like, okay, we're going too fast, like we need to take right. this a little easier. so traveling slower and um I think there's ways to travel, even if you can't travel slower, travel a little more authentically, and so this might not work for all speakers all the time, of course, but you know there are a lot of stuff that we do. we stay in accommodations that aren't always the quote unquote big box hotels hiltons and hyatts and stuff like that and there's definitely reasons for for staying in those and, and we do at times but you know we'll try to rent apartments if, especially if we're going somewhere for for more pleasure get in different parts of the city get in different areas that there might not be hotels in and kind of you know give yourself a better chance to see a different side of something than you might if you're just going through really quickly staying in these hotels and being around all these other tourists
0: yeah i think that's some great advice cuz i you know admittedly as a speaker I've been to uh, a, pretty much all the major cities within the US, and yet very few of them have I actually seen. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where yeah, literally right. go from the airport to the hotel. Do my thing, go back to the airport. So there's a lot of times where like I'm barely out in fresh air. I'm just in the hotel or I'm in a conference center or whatever. And there's you know I talk to someone like oh I went to such and such city and they're like oh did you go see you know this museum or this park or this whatever? It's like no I didn't I didn't do anything. I went to the hotel and went back to the airport. And so there's there's definitely that that taking the time to just enjoying the journey, you know, and just taking time to be present and recognizing you know a city that you're
1: in or a new place that you're in and just doing some some. Experience exploring there for sure. Yeah. And if you don't have a lot of time, you could still do it. You know, maybe you add on one day either before or after. I mean, typically, I guess if, if you're speaking, maybe you'd want to do it after. So, you know, you're, you're finished, you can relax, you can mellow out a little bit. You know, if you, if you can do one day or even like a half day, you know, maybe you finish that night and then the next day you don't fly out until the evening. And so, you know, and you just wander around and that's what I love doing, especially in cities is not really having any plans, just getting out, wandering around, uh, just walk around, you know, finding like a little restaurant or, or like, a, you know, stuff that you might not see if you were, you know, had a set schedule of like, all right, I'm going to go to this museum, this museum or this place or that place. Yeah. And just kind of feeling, I, I guess that's the best way I could say, it, like feeling the city or feeling the area you're in by just letting yourself go and uh, and not really expecting things.
0: Yeah. It sounds touchy feely and cute, but yes, it is. It, it can work. Uh, okay. What other things? So just enjoying the journey, being present in the moment whenever you're traveling. Anything else that that helps just to make the, the journey smoother?
1: Yeah. I mean, for us, this is going to be different, I think, than a lot of your listeners. But for us, we, we typically wouldn't book accommodations uh, when we first started ahead of time and what we've learned. Yeah. I'm going uh, so, to yeah, well, not
0: recommend that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to not recommend that Anymore as well. Uh, so what we've learned is that there is a fine line between what we were kind of just talking about, like not having set plans and, and letting yourself go, but having enough structure. And so I think finding that balance can help too. And and obviously a lot of the people that, that are listening to this are probably already going to have accommodations and stuff in place. But yeah, having some structure has really helped us enjoy it so that you're not always anxious about you know, when you get there, what you're going to be doing and things like that. So it sounds contradictory to what I just said, but I think that if you have the structure in place of of like the big picture stuff, like, okay, I know how I'm going to get in between these cities. So doing enough research ahead of time, so you know what's going on versus then that kind of allows you to have that freedom to spend some time wandering around. If that makes sense, you know, if you're organized a little bit, it, it allows you to have the freedom on the other end.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's totally accurate. Let's uh, let's talk about this for a second. You mentioned that you do a lot with the miles and points world, and so naturally, as a as speakers and travelers, we tend to hopefully accumulate a lot of miles and points. So, if if I'm just getting started, once you first of all, just give us like a, a high level view. What are miles and points? I've heard of them. Are they legit? How do they work? What do I do with them once I have them? Just kind of give us that that view.
1: Sure. And if you're someone who is listening and you have no frequent fly miles, you know that was exactly where I was four and a half years ago. Even though I had I had flown a decent amount, I I thought they were only for people, you know, who flew all the time. Like they weren't worth it to me because I was flying a couple times a year at that point. And since that has changed now, but um basically what happens is when you 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 fly on an airline or you know through credit cards or sign up bonuses or spending on that credit card or online promotions all that kind of stuff you earn these miles these frequent flyer miles or conversely these hotel points and they work basically the same ones with airlines ones with hotels and that allows you to then substantially reduce the cost of your flights and or your hotels to the point that they're almost free so case in point you know we've Flown to about 30 countries in the last four years, and all of the tickets that we've used our miles and points for have been under $100. So, you know, if you're flying, let's say you're going from New York to uh, Paris, that, that might be $800. Well, if you use your freaking fire miles, you can get a ticket. You're only paying the taxes and fees, so you might get a ticket for $75 or $80 or something like that.
0: So, again, to be clear, like you've, in the, you said in the last four and a half years, you've done 30 plus countries, and a high majority, if not all of those, have come because of miles and points
1: true yeah the only time we ever pay for a ticket is if and this is another little trick if there's a mistake fare and that's basically exactly what it sounds like something there's a computer glitch and all of a sudden you know we get a a ticket to south africa for $300 when it should have been $1500 you know then we'll buy it but if 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 there aren't those mistake fares yeah we use our miles and points to, to go everywhere. And uh, whether that's domestically, there's a really cool perk called the uh, Southwest Companion Pass, which I know you know about and, and have had, that allows a partner to fly for free with you anytime you hop on a Southwest flight. So there's a lot of domestic opportunities, and there's obviously a ton of international opportunities as well.
0: Man, you just get me excited talking about mistake fairs. That's next-level stuff. We'll save that for another day, but I know we got a... Um, did I tell you our best uh, mistake fair story? Not yet. But I'll give you the quick nutshell. We, uh, we took Six of us, our family of five plus my mom, and went to Hawaii in first class round trip for $92 each. Oh, dude, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, mistake fares, and those are for people who are obviously – there needs to be some flexibility there because typically – They come up and they're gone within eight or ten hours when someone figures out that there's a mistake. If that and uh, yeah, if that and you know sometimes there are really certain dates and things like that. But um, if you ever can take advantage of them, they are fantastic. We've done Italy for 125 bucks, Spain for 200, South Africa for 300. We went to Bali for I think under 300. So yeah, we mix those in with the miles and points to basically create as we said like really 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 cheap flights.
0: And to be and to be clear like again they they are very rare and you have to yes. be willing to pull the trigger immediately and just ask questions later but the if you can if you can get get on one it's a fun experience. So okay, so if I'm just getting started with miles and points, how do I even get miles and points? Where do they where do they come from? Uh, if I'm traveling a
1: lot, do I just naturally get them or how does that work? Yeah, so here's what I thought when I, you know, like I said, four and a half, five years ago, when I was just getting into this, I just assumed that the only way you could get miles and points is through flying. I, I think that's a natural assumption for most people. It's like, all right, frequent flyer miles means you you get on an airplane and you fly and you get those miles, which is true. You you can, and if you're flying a lot, this is a great way to earn frequent flyer miles. But for a lot of people, and and so to. Put it in perspective. If you're flying across the country and it's 3,000 miles, you'll earn typically 3,000 miles for that flight. So if you're flying a lot, this will add up. But if you're flying even only semi-regularly, it takes a while for that to add up. And so the quickest way to kind of supplement the actual flying miles that you get is to get... A really good travel credit card, and uh, a lot of people probably already have these in their wallet, and they might not even know they opened up a credit card at some point and they use it and they get these points, but they've never been able to use those points, and that's on purpose. The, you know, the airlines and the credit card companies don't want you to y- know exactly how to use the points because if they make it super super easy, that means you redeem it, that means it costs them money, so they kind of put this veil over it a little bit right and and you and i both know it only takes a couple hours of of work sometimes not even to to kind of pull it off and get started but I bet there's a lot of people out there listening who have who have earned miles and points and they've said, like, oh, I tried to use them once and I couldn't, and then they've given up. And that, and that's kind of what the airlines hope for. So my, my recommendations are, A, if you're flying, always make sure you're getting miles for that. And that's as simple as whatever airline you're flying on. You know, you open up a frequent flyer account with them. It's totally free. You know, you get a number. And then, like, let's say you're flying on American. Every time you fly on American, you give them that number and you just accrue miles that way. Really simple, really easy. The second way and the big way to supplement it is by getting a uh, rewards credit card that gets you the miles that that you might you know the better miles and we could talk about what those are in a few minutes, but you get that and then you get a sign up bonus so you might get forty thousand fifty thousand sometimes it's all the way up to a hundred thousand points for for signing up for the credit card and you know making a, a minimum spend requirement and so you get 100,000 miles or let's even say like 60,000 miles is, is more typical. That's a round trip ticket to Europe. It costs 60,000 miles to go in economy to Europe. So right there just from the sign up bonus you're getting a free flight and then as you put spending on that credit card and things like that you accrue, you know, a, a point for every dollar you spend or sometimes two points if it's special categories and all. So you gain some points that way and then the third little piece of it and this is a little higher level and not everyone does this, and I only do it here and there, but some online shopping portals like if you making a big purchase, like you gotta buy a computer or a TV. If you shop online for it and route through a shopping portal, you can get like sometimes ten points for every dollar you spend. So if you spend a thousand dollars, you're getting ten thousand points as opposed to just one thousand if you were to not go through that shopping portal. So those are the ways that I use to to earn what has been over, I guess, over 4 million frequent flyer miles now in the last four years.
0: Yeah, I need to total up ours. I know that we're in the several millions. And I tell you what, even like you said, it makes a huge, huge difference. Because I know early on, I think you as a speaker and traveling, you're earning those what is lovingly called as button seat miles, actually earning them. And you're just like, well, I got these, but what do I do with them? But then you start redeeming them for trips and travel. And it makes a huge, huge difference in terms of what you are able to do. I know from our, our family that we've been able to take a lot of trips for all five of us to go all different types of places and both again you mentioned the the airlines but also even just hotels of redeeming them for for free stays and, and free nights it can really really make a big difference. So you'd mention uh, that like a round trip economy ticket on average is going to be around 60,000 points uh, or miles. What other like domestic what does that look like? Hotel nights, what does that look like for redemption? What what are and I know it can vary a lot, but once you give us some views there.
1: Yeah, so just so people have some perspective or some uh, to to understand the points we're talking about here. Yeah, to get to Europe, 60,000 round trip. To fly domestically in the US, it's usually 25,000. Again, round trip. A lot of airlines, what's really cool too, and this might be really good for some speakers as well, is a lot of airlines will allow you to book one way tickets. So let's say you're going from New York to Dallas for a speaking thing, but then, you know, you have to go Dallas to San Francisco for another speaking engagement or what, whatever it is. You know, you don't have to do the 25,000 round trip New York to Dallas, Dallas back to New York. You could go one way for 12500 then you could go out to San Francisco for 12500 and then come back, something like that. So that's a really cool thing, like a really cool perk of using miles where it's like, you know, one-way tickets aren't really that popular when you're paying out of pocket. And Southwest does it and the airlines are starting to go to, towards that because people's Travel habits are changing some, but it's just a, a, a kind of an extra perk of miles. Is that typically you're allowed to do one-way stuff for half the price, which just allows you more flexibility. So 25,000 round trip in the U.S. If you're going down, you know, to the Caribbean, it's usually like 35,000. South America can run between, you know, 40,000 off season to like 60,000 during peak season. Going over to Asia, 60 to 80,000. So those are the miles that you're looking at. Uh, you could get anywhere in the world in economy for under 100,000 points. You know, Australia, same. It's about 80,000. And then hotel nights, like you said, very dramatically based on the brand. So like the highest end Hilton will now cost you 90,000 Hilton points, whereas the highest end Hyatt will cost you about 30,000. So that's where we get into talking about... I always tell people to think of these points as a currency, you know? And um, that's why not always the highest number, if you look at sign-up bonuses and you see a card that says hey, get 70,000 Hilton points, and you think, oh, man, that's, wow, like, imagine the stuff I could do with it. Well, you know, you want to stay at the best Hilton in the world, that's not even going to get you a free night, whereas, you know, 40,000 Hyatt points would get you a free night at the highest end of Hyatt. So I always tell people, think of it as a currency, same as you would with money, you know, Grant, if I said to you, like, all right, you can have like 100 Mexican pesos or 100 U.S. dollars, well, you're going to check the exchange rate, and you're going to say, yeah, give me the U.S. dollars, right? And uh, it's similar with hotel points, with frequent fire miles, and with these bank reward points, is that some are just more valuable because they allow you to do more, or they're more flexible, or they're, you know, whatever we want to call it, value per point is much higher.
0: Yeah, I would totally echo that, that basically... Uh, a point is not a point is not a point. Like it all right. kind of depends on the situation and circumstance and, and what what that point is, is what account that is. in. And so even like you mentioned before, and this is something I always recommend to speakers when you're getting started, especially since you're going to be doing a lot of traveling is to go ahead and because they're free, get those frequent flyer accounts with everybody. Like literally I have, I have, and I, I know you do too as well, you know, frequent flyer accounts with airlines that I haven't traveled for years. But when I do travel with them, I want to get those points. I want to get something for that and so i've got them with with uh, you know all the major uh, hotel chains and airlines and even rental car companies amtrak trains cruises i mean you can get them with just about anybody now so that you are again earning some of those points that may on their own may or may not be worth a ton but collectively with other things that you may be doing may all of a sudden you, you have something that you can you can turn into some type of trip or redemption
1: yeah, and here's an important thing to know and I didn't realize this when I was first starting either. You know, think of these points like to, they live in separate in separate spheres. I can't say that. I'm not a good speaker. Separate I can't say that. like that is, that is hard. Yeah. In separate spheres. And so like if you have American Airlines miles and you have United miles like you you can't combine them. So I I get this question a lot and this is what I thought in the beginning like, "All right, I'm just getting quote unquote frequent flyer miles." So like Sure, they could all just like be used together. They they can't. You know, if you have American Airlines miles, they live in one sphere. If you have United miles, they live in another sphere. You can't combine them and say, all right, I have fifty of one and fifty of another, so I have a hundred thousand points. I want to go to Australia. You would need enough in each sphere to take that trip. Now, to not to make it too complicated, but you could go one way with one and one way back. That's one way to do it. But they, they, they are different, and so. That's just something really important to note. And then, but on top of that, what the airlines do do that that is pretty cool is they all have, uh, most are part of alliances. So, for example, American Airlines is part of this alliance called One World. So, American Airlines won't themselves fly to Sydney. So, you know, you can use your American Airlines miles on American Airlines or any of their partner airlines as well. So, that's important to note. So, like... If, if you could only use it on American Airlines, you could never get to Australia because they, they don't have a flight that goes there. But you can fly on their partner airline, Qantas, and get down there. And it's the same thing. You book with American Airlines. You know, you're using your American Airlines miles. You follow American Airlines rules, but you're just flying on one of their partner's planes. So that, that opens up basically the whole world for the three big alliances because they have partners, you know, they have partnerships with airlines all over the world. So there's very few places you can can't go on miles because of these partnerships.
0: Well, and you could speak of this better than I could, but generally speaking, those alliances are more for are really going to more come into play on international travel. Definitely. So, so for example, domestically, the the big players of American, United, Delta, even Southwest. None of them are, are, are buddy, buddy. They're not partners. Um, right, right. So really more when you're going on the international stuff, like you mentioned in the situation where American doesn't fly to Australia, but they have options to get you out of Australia where you can still use the, the miles and points gotcha okay so all these different types of miles and points you mentioned the you know we mentioned the the button seat traveling you also kind of touched on the credit cards I know that's how you and I have gotten the bulk of the miles and points that we've had I think that's been a misconception for some people who people know that that uh, myself and then obviously our our family we travel quite a bit uh, and a lot of it is through miles and points and so the assumption is well like oh okay you're a speaker you travel a lot therefore you earn a lot like yeah I earn a lot naturally from those button seat miles but a lot of what we earned has come from credit cards. And so we could go into, you know, a lot with this and what exactly that looks like. But once you give us kind of the nutshell of how some of these credit card bonuses work, you touched on it earlier, but tell us a little bit more about that and kind of how if like, if I want to get, you know, American miles, what does that have to do with a credit card?
1: Right, right. Great question. And this is your assumption or the people's assumption that you earn it from flying from button seat is, again, the assumption I had five years ago and until I started learning about it and the light bulb went off. So if you thought that you're in good company, I think like 95% of people think that. I will tell you that of the 4 million frequent flyer miles that I've earned in the last four years, less than 1% have come from actually flying. So we're talking... Almost all I've come through credit cards, these promotions. And so with the credit cards, how it works is. Uh, we'll take American Airlines, for example. What they do is American Airlines will have a card, like a co-branded credit card with a bank. Uh, so for right now, they have a, a credit card with City, with Citibank. So what you do is you would go and you could, you know, typically you'd apply online. I guess you could apply in a branch as well, but most people just do it online. And you'd say, all right, well, I'm looking to, to get some American Airlines miles. I have some from flying or, or I, you know, I live near an American Airlines hub or they have good flights wherever I'm going, what have you. And, um, and so what you do is you go in. And uh, or you know you look at the card and you say okay this American Airlines card will give me fifty thousand American Airlines miles if I spend three thousand dollars in three months on it so you do have to make sure that you can hit that minimum spend requirement that's always like first thing is make sure you can hit that because if you can't you're not going to get the sign up bonus. And, and you know, then it's you're shooting yourself in the foot. So you say, okay, I can spend $3,000 in three months on this credit card. That's cool. You spend that so you get 50,000 American Airlines points. And it's as simple as when you're signing up through a credit card, you put in your American Airlines frequent flyer number. And if you don't have one, you take three minutes and you, and you get one, and then you put it in. And so every time you get that bonus, that 50,000 point bonus, after you hit that minimum spend requirement, takes a couple months, you know. And then um, every time you use that credit card, you're just accruing American Airlines points. So, you know, you go out to dinner and it's 30 bucks. You're getting 30 American Airlines points. So that's the really short version. And, and it really is that simple of, of how they work. And like you said, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole and, and then, you know, I've opened up a bunch over the years. But I always tell someone you know start with one or two or maybe you already have a credit card that you're using but you don't know how to use the points like you're already getting them you just didn't even know you were and that's what you do start with one or two get used to it make sure you're paying it off every month like that's the most important thing if you're not paying it off then those miles are pointless cuz you know you're paying all that money in in um in fees and interest so make sure you're paying it off and then make those points work for you cuz that's that's the second part like the earning them is usually the easier part to understand, you know, get a credit card that works, spend on it, pay it off. Okay, you're earning these miles. But then, of course, the second part is, all right, how do I actually use them? So that's the short version of how how you earn frequent fire miles through credit cards.
0: Yeah, and just to be clear, and you you kind of touched on this, but I know for for me personally, like we've had we've opened a lot of different credit cards over the years just to get these miles and points. We use a credit card for most of our business spending, which is something we could touch on in just a second here. But I know for us, we don't carry a balance on any card. We have zero credit card debt. We have zero debt on the business, but and zero personal debt as well, actually. But all that to say, like. If you're going to get into this, I always tell like friends that are just like, "Oh, how do I do this?" like, "You can do this, but you've got to be very, very cautious about this." And so if you're going to get a credit card, uh, even just for the the having the um, ability to get those miles and points, if you're creating a financial mess for yourself because you're not responsible, then don't
1: do this. Yeah, uh, it's it's like a big I wish I could, like, put a neon light up every time I say that, and, like, it would hammer into someone's head, you know? Because it is. It, you you definitely – this is only for people who, who are financially responsible, who have been doing it. Maybe – if you've never had a credit card before, that's fine, too. Like, I, my first one was a miles-earning one. But you just take it slow and make sure you're paying it off. And, you know, I set all my stuff to auto-pay, which, which makes sure I'm not accruing interest. But you also – don't ever look at it as, you know, so I've had some people say, oh, well, I have to spend $3,000 in three months to get these points, so I'm going to go, like, get a TV or a puppy or whatever. You're like, no, no, no. It's a really this nice puppy. <laughs> yeah, this should only be, you know, anything you would normally buy, this should only be for that. It's nothing extra or anything like that. So that's our little get up on the soapbox, make sure people understand that. But if right. you are responsible, what's great is that then you can play this quote-unquote game and, and you can... It's like getting a reward for being financially responsible and yeah. and you should. So um that's what's cool about it is once you get the system down you're like all right, well now I'm getting rewarded for the fact that I'm I have good credit, and I'm paying this off, and, and I'm reaping the benefits of basically free travel.
0: Well, and to speak to what you were talking about earlier about the um, earning button seat miles versus the credit card miles. Uh, again, I think people have this misconception. For me personally, that oh, you travel a lot, therefore, you know, I couldn't get all those miles points because I don't travel as much as you. I just looked up, just out of curiosity, on my American account. American's the primary airline that I fly, and I have I've earned seven hundred seventy six thousand button seat miles. <laughs> That's, that's a lot a of but that's a lot that's of buttons. See miles, seven hundred seventy-six thousand. That's over several years, but my total lifetime is over two point two million miles. So if you do the math there, that means that a one point five million dollar or one point five million miles have come from things that don't involve, but in seat traveling. So again, you can earn, my wife is another good example. we never pay for tickets for her. She never flies anywhere. That's not where she's getting, where she's redeeming, uh, miles or points yet. Her account right now at this very moment has like 500,000 miles on it for American yep. and she's never paid for a ticket. So there's a lot of ways that you can, you can earn those. So let's touch on that to kind of wrap up here. If I know that I'm, I'm traveling a lot, I'm speaking a lot, I'm getting a lot of travel expenses. And that's, what, again, another great thing about being a speaker is that I remember noticing this on early on with my dad is that he used to do a lot of traveling. And so he would then redeem some of those miles for us to go on family vacations later. But they were all things where he was being reimbursed for the travel. So it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're getting to reap the benefits that someone else is paying for? like, I, And that's really the way it works for speakers is someone else is paying for the travel and yet you are keeping the miles and points. And so it's kind of that you know additional perk and benefit there. So if I know that I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling, are there certain credit cards that I should be using that may be more valuable or worthwhile than others
1: yeah and and like you said a point is not always a point is not always a point so the the best ones that and and this is almost across the board, unless for some reason you you live in a, a certain area that only one airline services. You know, you're in like a small town or something. Typically, the best points that you can earn in the frequent flyer world are Chase Ultimate Rewards points, and these work a little different than those American Airlines points that I talked about earlier. Because what happens here is you earn points with the bank with Chase, but why they're more valuable is that. they they provide a lot of flexibility. And so when you are in those American Airlines miles I talked about earlier, you can only use them to uh, fly on American Airlines, which is is pretty good. That's also a very good card. But with these chase points, you can do... like three different things. One, you can transfer them to different airlines. So you can transfer them to United, which is an awesome airline for you know flying domestically and especially for flying internationally. You can transfer them to Southwest, which you know we know is great for domestic or Caribbean or anything like that. And, and there's a few other random airlines, but those are two big ones. The second thing you can do is you can transfer them to hotels, which is huge, especially for people who are speaking and and you know you're only going to take maybe one or two vacations a year, so you you have your flights covered, but. You know, now you want the hotels covered as well, so you can transfer them to Hyatt, like we talked about, which is a great hotel chain where the points are, are worth a decent amount. You can transfer them to Marriott, things like that. And then the third thing you can do is you don't even have to transfer them. If you just want to buy any ticket, you can go on Chase's website, and let's say you have 100,000 points. That equates to, I think, like $1,300 worth of of points. So you can go on there, and you can say, all right, I want to book my flight with this. And if the flight's $800, you, you use you know, that amount of points, and you still have $500 of chase left, and then you book your hotel. So what's good about that third option is that you have ultimate flexibility because you can book any flight and any hotel. Whereas when you transfer to an airline not to get too confusing, but if you think of a plane and let's say there's 300 seats on a plane, I have no idea if that's right or not, but this is easy for math. There's 300 seats on a plane. They might only open up 100 of them for people who are using frequent fire miles. So they might fill up fairly quickly. And then, you know, so you might not be able to get the exact flight you want if there's not availability. If you use the third option where you're using your chase points as cash, you can book any flight because it's just a sliding scale of how much you would actually pay out of pocket. So the chase points are great. And so on that note, what I always do, the two main cards that I use, I use one for my personal spending, and that's called the Chase Sapphire Preferred, and it earns you those base points, and it usually comes with a bonus of about 50000 right off the bat, which is a great bonus. It has kind of cool bonus categories where anytime you have meals out, you get two points for every dollar you spend instead of just one. And then for the business side, they have kind of like, it's like a sister card to that. It, it, it works the same and it's called the Chase Inc. Plus. And so I use that for all my business expenses that way I can keep everything separate, but I'm still earning those Chase points. So both of them earn the same type of points and you can easily online combine them into one account whenever you want. It takes, it literally takes a minute. So you're earning the same types of points, these Chase points, which in my opinion and, and in most people's opinion are the most valuable points out there. So um, that's kind of the ones I always tell people to start with. Really easy. Customer service is awesome at Chase. You can call up. You can get someone on the phone pretty easily right away. I've never had any issues with them. So I'd go with the Chase Sapphire Preferred for personal expenses and then that Chase Inc. Plus for business expenses. And that'll just keep it really clear when, you know, when you do go for taxes and I, and we could, you know, we're not going to get into that quagmire. Right. But, um, when you have your own business and your personal, it keeps it really clear. And those are the two that I would recommend starting with and getting a good solid base of chase points. And then if you want to go, like we've done grant later on and maybe in like five or six or seven months, open up another one. Cause you're like, yeah, I'd like to have some American miles as well. Then you can go open up the American card and things like that. But, um, the best two right off the bat, the best business is the Chase Inc. Plus, and the best personal one's the Chase Sapphire Preferred.
0: Yep, totally would agree. Well, I've got the exact same setup. So for our personal, everything goes on our, our Chase Sapphire. And we again, we, we're talking about this in the context of, of business and speaking, but this is exactly what we do in our personal is uh, all of our personal expenses go on to that Chase Sapphire because we're earning points on those and we're paying that off constantly. So again, we're never carrying a balance on that. And then on the business, we use the Chase Inc. I think we have the Chase Inc. Bold, actually, and just a variation of that Chase Inc. Plus, that. Uh, Trav had mentioned there, but yeah. So and even like you touched on keeping all of that stuff separate. Don't just think, oh, I'm just going to get one Chase card and put all my business and personal. No, no, no. You need those separate. And we, we've talked about that in, in previous episodes, but. Yeah, we use the Chase Sapphire on the personal and then the Chase Ink Bold on the business. That's where the majority of our spending goes. As a little next level hack, one thing that we do is we have a, um, a City American Airlines card that we get three times the points per dollar spent on American Airlines. So anytime we are buying an American ticket, we use that specific card because we're getting more for that. And then also in a similar vein, a lot of the travel that I do, I stay at Hilton Properties. And so we we have an American Express Hilton card that gets us 12 points per dollar spent at Hilton. And so I use that whenever I, I stay at Hilton Properties. And so I keep those cards, extra cards in my wallets, again, just for that very specific purpose that I'm only using those if I'm at a Hilton or I'm only using those if I'm booking an American flight. Uh, but as a general rule, again, just for simplicity, uh, everything else for the business at least goes on the, that Chase, Chase Inc. bold.
1: Yeah, and those two cards, uh, like I said, I and people, just we can end it with this, too, because if people are going to get into it more, you know, you might open up cards here and there, and you know, I don't want to scare anyone away with how many cards I have. I don't. Both me and you were talking the other day, and we were like flipping through the book. Like we have a yep. book of cards. Uh, there's little plastic like baseball card yep. holders and all. Yep. You know, I think I, I'd have to count, but probably in the last four years I've opened up 50 cards now. And yep. again, I'm not telling anyone to do that now, but you know, you can. And, and then we uh, we won't get into why uh, it's good for your credit actually, but just know that it actually does help your credit in the long run. And again, I have stuff on my website that explains why. Like really ner- 30 credit stuff but um yeah and and so you know as you go down that path you know you can start accumulating a lot of points but start with these two and even to this day you know I probably have 30 open credit cards but in my wallet there's like four different ones and that's what I tell people they're like well how do you keep track of it all I said well I don't those other 26 I'm not using you know they're just sitting off I got the sign up bonus they're sitting off to the side I'm only using two or three or four at most to, because you know, even I would never want to have to keep track of, of the spending I do on thirty cards. So yep. you kinda of use it to make the minimum spend and then you set it aside and then you have your kind of go to everyday cards and those would be the Chase Sapphire Preferred and the Chase Inc. Plus or like uh, Grant said, the Chase Inc. bold, which is like their older version of it. I don't even know if you can open it anymore, but those are the two best the two best for personal and then business.
0: Yeah. And again, we, like, we are just scratching the surface. So that's why that's why Trav started the Extra Pack of Peanuts blog. It's just, there's a ton more nuance. So if you really want to geek out on this, definitely check out Trav's blog. He's got a lot of great stuff there. Trav, tell us again where we can find the blog and the site and where else we can go to find out about you.
1: Yeah, for sure. So again, it's extrapackofpeanuts.com. I'm on Twitter. It's packofpeanuts or Instagram. You can follow our travels at packofpeanuts. Everything lives there. So you can find it out. We have a a little start, the best place if you're unfamiliar with this or or even if you're unfamiliar with the site, which I like to think we have a lot of reach, but probably not that much. Uh, So you're probably unfamiliar with the site. Check it. There's a little start here tab. And what we've done is like kind of chronologically ordered it to say, all right, here's like, if you're brand new to frequent fire miles, here are the best five things to read. If you're kind of more medium, here are the best five things. And there's rental car advice and accommodation advice, but click on that start here page. Uh, you can hop on our newsletter too. We send stuff out and um, we've started doing some workshops and stuff that to, to really help people get started diving in for about an hour, because I really truly believe about four or five hours of, of learning this and you can become uh, basically an expert. Like you can start Traveling for free, so it's not really as hard, and the return on investment grant, I think you'll speak to this I mean when you're getting i've probably flown hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of flights in the last four years for you know a, a little bit of time learning it and uh, if you are someone who's going to travel a lot it's it's crazy so yeah, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com, com you can hop on the mailing list you can find everything there mean then there's some other projects we do too that are all you know, you can find from there. So that's kind of the hub of of where it all happens.
0: Awesome. We'll be sure and link up to that. But yes, you're right that there's a huge, massive rabbit trail that you can go down on this stuff. And uh, Trav and I have have certainly gone down that trail (laughs) to the point that There are massive forums with lots of code words and just this whole other language. You and I have been to conferences all about just travel hacking. And when people find out like, there's conferences, yes, and I've been to them. And they're wonderful. (laughs) So, But it can really make some some travel that seems far-fetched. It can make it very, very reasonable. So Trav, thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat, roo with my buddy Travis Sherry of Extra Pack of Peanuts. If you are not already into miles and points and what is commonly known as travel hacking, I would love, 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 love you to check that out and get into it a little more. Pay attention to where you, pay attention to how you earn those miles and points, and making sure that you're using them. You're not wasting them. You can take a lot of really, really cool trips with those things. I'll give you a quick example. In fact, this is actually something that's just recent. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at an event next next March in the Philippines. It's Chris Ducker's conference called Tropical Think Tank. It's going to be a lot of fun. So if you haven't already, you definitely check that one out as well. But uh, my wife and I are going to be traveling over there. And uh, we just booked our tickets using miles to fly over there. And we paid $200 in taxes and fees to go over there. $200 in taxes and fees, plus the cost of our, our miles to go over there. Now, check this out. We priced it out. We're going to be flying first class there and back, which, which would be pretty expensive without miles and points. Remember, we paid $200, but we priced it out. It's close to $15,000 for both of us to go over there if we paid for these tickets out of pocket, $15,000, but we're going to be able to go first class round trip for $200 plus the cost of a handful of miles there. So definitely, definitely, definitely worth paying attention to because of some of that travel. I would never pay $15,000 for a first class flight, but to be able to do it now with miles and pay $200. Yeah, that's a no brainer. So just a quick example there, something that we, uh, we literally just booked. All right, my friends that wraps up episode 83. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.